most famous person I ever met, just a th couple of 30-second conversations, was the musical genius, um, Vanilla Ice. Um, that's mine. Um, look at him. Um, it's, it's funny when we like to think of um, these people. I'm, I assume for from, from, from most of um, the, the, the people that we spoke out then, um, we don't actually know them. Um, we met them kind of in passing. Maybe, maybe you know facts about them. Um, and even if we haven't met um, someone famous, um, surely we all know what it's like to, to, to know stuff about someone. Maybe there's a, a, someone in a field that you follow, like a, a, a sports star that you admire or a musician or something like that, and you, you know stuff about them, but you don't know them. It's possible to, to know things about someone, to know facts, but to not have relationships. So I know um, Vanilla Ice had, had the 1990 smash hit, Ice Ice Baby. I know that his real name is Robert Van Winkle. I know that he also had a song on the second uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1991. So if you're after 30-year-old pop culture references, um, that's about it for, for, for this morning. Um, but you see how it's possible to, to, to know things about someone but to not actually have relationship with them. And even to bring that idea a bit closer to home, it's, it's possible to spend time in the same area as someone, like our neighbours, for instance, and to just have kind of a superficial relationship. Um, maybe we wave at them, but to not actually know them, even if um, we spend time in the same area. Or even with co-workers, it's possible to spend a lot of your years with someone, but to not actually know the person. And that's a little bit like what we've got before us this morning. Um, it's, a, it's a question of, of knowing Jesus, of knowing him, not just knowing things about him, not just having superficial relationship with, with Jesus, not just understanding some things or spending time around him, but it's a question of, of knowing who Jesus is and knowing him by believing in him. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the message, the take-home thing for, for this morning if you're just after the too long didn't listen version. Um, it's, it's believe in Jesus. Believe in him. If you cast your eyes over the passage that was read for us, um, the first 14, 15 verses of John chapter 14 there, you see the word believe, 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 believe pop up again and again and again. And so in reading it, we're coming to scripture this morning and saying, okay, Jesus, what is it that you are trying to say to us? I think he wants us to believe in him. And specifically for us to believe in who he is as the God-man, his shared identity with the Father. Jesus isn't just some great teacher or some historical figure, but he is God. So we're called to believe. And here's some um, things that have have jumped out off the, off the page to me about believing in Jesus from, from these verses. Firstly, um, that 
belief or trust in Jesus, it's the cure to the troubled heart. The, the anxious soul finds rest when, by faith, it rests in Jesus, knowing who he is, knowing that he is God. When we grasp by faith Jesus' lordship, it's the cure to the troubled heart. If you place yourself in the shoes of the disciples for, for a minute, um, where we're at is that um, we've, we've witnessed Jesus teaching incredible things. You've heard your rabbi speak like no other person has ever spoken. Amazing messages. Think of the, the signs and wonders, the miracles that you have, that you have witnessed if, as you've traveled with him for, for three years it looks amazing, like things are, are happening. Surely this man is from God. And, and yet, lately, things just seem a little bit more tense. He's saying some strange things. He's talking about, about leaving, actually, about going. And he's saying some funny things about death and coming back again what's what's that about and there's actually been more and more opposition towards your your rabbi and it's concerning as you're making your way towards jerusalem and even just recently you've heard him again say that he's going to leave and not only that he's 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 gone to peter who's been journeying with you and he said peter you're going to deny me. And you're thinking, what? If, if Peter could deny you, what's that mean for, for us? What does, what does this mean for this whole um, journey that we've been on? What does this mean for, for Jesus' mission, the, the proclamation of the kingdom? Like, is Jesus bailing on us? Has, has Jesus failed? What's going on? You could understand how the disciples would have a troubled heart. But Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in me. Yes, Jesus is going to go away, but his, his leaving isn't failure. Instead, it's victory because he's going to be securing a place for his followers in heaven. He is securing salvation for his disciples. And the way that he's going to do that is by going to the cross for them. He's going to secure a, a, a spot for them. And it's not um, like a, a hotel room where the disciples will be able to check out at some point. It's not like a hotel where it might be sort of full and they're not taking reservations no it's 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 a place of rest with the father and there's room for all of the followers of jesus he says and if i go um, my father's house has many rooms and if that were not so what have i told you that i'm going to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. There's room for all the followers. 
Jesus is securing this place by going to the cross. And the goal isn't just that the disciples would be saved and and that's it. But the the goal is face-to-face, deep, lasting relationship with Jesus. That, That I would take you to be with me. That's what he wants. Believe in me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. For for me, um, probably talk about it too much. Um, New Zealand is a special place for me. Um, spent a lot of um, my summer holidays over there. I've got family over there, and um, New Zealand is also uh, where I, um, where Sarah and I got engaged. And you'd think of uh, getting proposing to someone in New Zealand. Maybe it was this like you know, scenic backdrop like Lord of the Rings or or something like that. Uh, but n- no, maybe it should have been. Um, but no, it was up the Auckland Sky Tower. Woohoo. Great big tower. I, I did not take that photo. I did not take the photo of um, Vanilla Ice either. But um, so, but we got, um, yeah, I, I proposed um, on the observation deck up that tower. Um, and... Uh, I don't know if you've been up uh, something similar to to that um, observation deck, but the 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 proposal wasn't the only nerve-wracking thing going on um, that that day, um, because on the observation deck they've got glass floor. Um, didn't take this one either. Um, where where you can stand um, on the glass floor of the observation deck, way above the the city, and it. it feels like the the floor is invisible right like um but the only way that you can enjoy that um is by actually stepping out and placing your weight upon it um that's the only way that you can do that by by trusting it stepping out placing your weight upon it um that you would stand on it even though it looks um really invisible so what's the cure to the troubled heart what do you stand upon when you face disappointment, when it looks like something's coming to a confusing and troubling end. Jesus says, believe in me. He, he wants you to place the, the weight of your belief upon him. He, he wants you to stand upon him, that, that you would know him as the one who holds you up. Even when things are scary, even when your heart is troubled, even when the floor looks invisible, Jesus wants you to choose to place your belief in him. He is the cure to the troubled heart. And we're to believe in Jesus because he is the one who reveals God the Father. We're to trust Jesus because he's the fullest display of, of God that, that we've got. Maybe you're like most people over the course of history who has wondered to yourself, hmm, I wonder what God is like. What's he like? Well, we're to look to Jesus. We're to look to him. If you look to Jesus, you will see God. The disciples still don't quite understand that Jesus has been talking about heaven, though. And Jesus says, um, I'm going away. You know the way to where I am going. And Thomas says, mm, no, I, I don't know where. We don't know where you were going. So how can you say that we know the way 
And it's like you, you do know, but you, you don't. And Jesus does something that's actually really incredible. He doesn't say, as a religious teacher, I know the, the way to eternal life. I know the way to salvation. He doesn't just say that. He doesn't say, I know the truth. I know what is really real in this world. He doesn't just say that. And he doesn't say, I know what real life is about. He doesn't do any of those things. Amazingly, he points his disciples to himself. And he says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. He points to himself as the way to salvation, himself as truth, himself as life. No one is saved aside from him. And the only way that anyone could grab a hold of that is through faith, through believing in him. So that's where the, the, the problem arises of just knowing stuff about Jesus versus like, actually depending on him, actually trusting him with our lives, actually placing our belief on him. He really, really, really wants his followers to know that he and the Father have this shared identity. He really wants his, his followers to know that he is God. He's God incarnate. He's the God Man, he wants us to get that, to know him for who he is, not just a historical figure, not just a religious teacher who said some nice things, but Jesus is God. This is what he goes on to say from verse 7. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Just show us, show us God. That'll be enough. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Philip, trust me at my word that I'm unified with the Father, that or, or at least believe on the works that I do. I really want you to believe in who I am. We've spent all this time together, Philip, and you, you still haven't seen. What, what is that? Seems like after journeying so long, like maybe Jesus is just seems so familiar to the disciples now. Maybe, maybe he seems so ordinary Scripture tells us that there was nothing of physical appearance that would attract us to, to Jesus. He seemed like an ordinary man. It could be hard to see the splendor of Jesus for the familiarity and 
the ordinariness, the seemingly ordinariness. A while ago, not too long ago, I had the pleasure of um, attending a wedding and being a part of the setup for it. Uh, the day before, and it was out on a on a property out of out of town. And this is difficult for me to even admit because I'm somebody who prides himself on his sense of direction. Uh, but I got lost um, the day before um, heading out there to help set up. And um, after driving down this road, like all the gates to like the different farms and stuff, they all just look the same after a while. Like every and everything starts looking familiar. And I headed down one driveway and ended up in someone's backyard. Um, they weren't home, so that was good. Um, and uh, but I, I did find the right one. But even um, after finding the right driveway, uh, I don't know if you've noticed um, the last little while it's been quite dry, and um, and everything just looked really dry and kind of ordinary as I drove down this road and I thought is could this be the right place even am I am I on the right track and anyway I pushed through pushed through and came across um, the the venue which was one of beauty and of splendor so here's a photo that I took it's not the best wedding photo in the world it's the day before the wedding anyway but but there's a capture of um, that. What's captured there is just the dry um, that we had to push through. Um, going, is this the right spot? And then it was a place of greenery and splendor and life. A place of beauty. I wonder if Jesus desires for us to look or to push through what might seem so ordinary and familiar to see his splendor. Maybe you've grown up in Christian circles, Christian family, going to church, and Jesus just seems so ordinary and familiar, and we hear his name a lot, and you are tempted to muse about God, to, to, to... to look for God in other places, maybe the, the, the different gods of this world, or listen to this voice or that voice, because Jesus just seems so familiar and just what you've grown up with. Would you push through what might seem so ordinary that your eyes would actually behold the, the splendor? Because it seems like that's what's happened with the disciples here. They've been face-to-face with him for like three years, and they still haven't quite got it. Oh, Lord, would you open our eyes that we would see your majesty and your beauty, that we wouldn't become so familiar with you in the sense that we would be bored of you, that the grace that you show isn't amazing anymore. We really need to place the belief of our life upon Jesus to see his splendor. He's the one who is about to go to the cross to secure a place for his followers. It can be easy to forget that this Jesus is the God who has made all and sustains all. Do you wonder what God is like? Does he love you? Look to Jesus. 
Is he powerful? Look to Jesus. Does God care? Look to Jesus. Believe in him and his work on the cross. And we're to believe in him and trust him because he, he actually desires to continue his work in the world through those who believe in him. He desires to, uh, for, for those who believe in him to experience his continued work in the world. And even though Jesus is ruling and reigning, he's in heaven with God the Father right now. He's chosen to keep doing his work, to keep ministering to people through those who have believed in his name, through his people. So Jesus leaving is not going to be a disaster for the disciples. Jesus leaving is actually going to be a good thing. He's going to unpack that um, in the next few verses and into the next chapter where he's going to get more specific and say, I'm going away and it's a good thing because the Holy Spirit is going to come. You disciples are going to be empowered to carry on the mission. Jesus' earthly ministry at this point was, was limited in the sense that Jesus could only minister in like one place at a time. He was over here and not over here. And, and his ministry at this point was limited also because the good news hadn't yet become great news. He hadn't yet gone to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. The, the new covenant hadn't yet been installed yet and so jesus going away to the cross dying rising again ascending to the father and sending the spirit was for the good of the followers because once the holy spirit came multitudes would be swept into the kingdom the spread of ministry all over the place that that Heaps of people in all sorts of places would experience the ministry of Jesus as the good news of his death and resurrection is preached. And it's still happening today. That's why you and I are, are here. That, that ministry of Jesus has spread through his Holy Spirit-empowered people. Verse 12 reads, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And Jesus' followers who pray in his name get prayer answered. And to pray in Jesus' name isn't just to tag the words in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of whatever we request. The, the promise isn't that if we just say those words, like they're magic or something, then we get whatever we ask for. But to pray in Jesus' name is to pray in alignment with with his character, with, with his purposes, with his will. It's, it's to pray in alignment with who he is, what he's doing and what he wants to do. And if you and I are praying in Jesus' name, we can actually take up that promise that whatever we ask in his name, he will do. That he would glorify his Father. I know what some of you this morning have been thinking. You've been thinking, gee, you've got good hair, Sheldon. 
and um, the credit isn't mine, not all mine. Um, credit goes to my barber, Tommy. Um, that's where Tommy works. Um, I've been able to chat and journey with Tommy over the last couple of years as he's cut my hair. Um, he's gone from um, uh, being engaged and then married, and now he and his wife have welcomed a, a child into the world. Uh, selfishly, um, Tommy's taken time off work um, at all of those points, those big moments, and I think, who's going to cut my hair? Thankfully, in his wisdom, Tommy set up somebody else to pick up the scissors and to continue the work that he was doing. He's got somebody else to continue his work. We need to believe in Jesus to continue the work that he's doing in the world until he comes back. To, to pick up the gospel and carry it to those around us. We've got the joyful responsibility of being servants and missionaries in this world, continuing the work of Jesus. And we don't do this alone. We get to do it with one another and we get to do it with God as he lives inside of us by his spirit. As we pray in his name, that disciples would be made, that the kingdom would be further established. Jesus' ministry continuing through those who believe in him. But it's not enough to just know stuff about Jesus. It's not enough to just be around Jesus' situations like, like church or youth group or home groups or, or whatever. Um, it's not enough to maintain just superficial outward appearance of relationship with him. This morning, Jesus wants you and your belief in him to be complete. He wants you, every last bit of you. So I finished by urging you, told you it was a simple message, believe in him. Believe in Jesus. He's the cure to the troubled heart. He's the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's God revealed. You ever wondered what God is like? Look to Jesus. And he desires to use you in the world for his name. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us the privilege of being your people, you are the one who has rescued us. You are the one who's cleaned us up, forgiven us. And you are the one who has given us the joyful responsibility of being servants and missionaries right where you've placed us. And so, Lord, we're looking to you and asking, would you even bring um, one person to mind that we could serve this week? one person who needs to hear the good news or an aspect of the good news of who you are and what you've done, Lord, that a disciple would be made or someone would be brought closer to you. For those of us who've
got troubled hearts right now, help us to look to you as the one who holds us up. And Lord, forgive us for the times where we've been tempted to trust in other things, other places instead of you. You're our God, our King, our Savior. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen.